know that this morning there are people that are sitting here right now who week after week come in and feel like nobody sees them? And usually they're the folks that have the nicest clothes on, carry themselves with the most confidence, have the, their hair done just right, you know, <laughs> their makeup done, their whatever, drive up in a certain type of car, you know, just have that air about them that you think they have it all together on the outside. And on the inside, they feel like nobody actually really knows them. And even worse, nobody actually uh, they don't feel valuable enough for somebody to stop and actually see who they are. People, people, I want to say this to you. People don't leave churches necessarily because the music wasn't what they expected or that the parking lot attendants didn't smile big enough or even the host team wasn't perfect or the children's program wasn't this. I mean, those are all valid reasons to decide where you're gonna go somewhere. But I would say that the number one thing that people are looking for at the end of the day, when they come to a community of believers is they want to be seen. And it's not just being seen, it's, it's actually someone taking the time to really see who they are on the inside. And I want to delineate between these two ideas, and I know we could probably interchange them and have a debate about the, you know, what the, the dictionary says about it, but just go with me for a moment. I'm going to put it this way to you. Uh, I, I believe there's a difference between being known or being known of versus actually being seen. I might know your name. I might know who you're married to, who your kids are, what your dog's name is, but have I actually taken the time to actually see who you are on the inside? And uh, it's interesting, if we did an experiment, uh, well, it kind of has been an experiment that's grown into something beautiful, but Harvest House started doing, actually it wasn't even a Harvest House thing, it was a church slash Harvest House thing that we decided to start a softball team. We had people from the church and we had people in Harvest House. By the way, if you're in Harvest House and you're a part of this church, then you're a part of the church. You're just like everybody else, amen? So I hate to even make that delineation. There's two games tonight. The season starts over. The reigning champion, the Harvest OG team, has their first game tonight. And they are the champs. The Reapers play at 5.30. The original OG Harvest team plays at 6.30. So if you want to come out, you can. But we started this thing, and Aaron, I know you guys have probably noticed this, but these softball players and their girlfriends or boyfriends, because there's guys and girls on the team, and their families, they don't just play softball together. They meet up during the holidays. They go out for meals. They, they've become this little community these players, and what we've noticed is that the ones that happen to be in the program are, have stayed in the program, almost every single one of them, and graduated and stuck around and have continued to be a part of this greater community. And the folks that are from the church that are playing haven't left the church because they've actually, they've actually gotten to a point where they feel seen. They feel like somebody actually sees them. That's right. And they share their ups and downs and they're talking about what's going through their life. And it's been this little group and it's been amazing to watch because I'm like, almost everyone that started on the team or has been on the team is still here, still around, still connected to this, this community. And the funny thing is we didn't make it a requirement. 
We weren't like, if you stopped coming to church or you left Harvest House, you couldn't be on the team anymore. It's just happened. And it's been beautiful to watch. And, and, and I'm going to read some scriptures, so don't get nervous. But I, I, uh, I, was, I was thinking about this. You know, um, churches, nowadays, if you, if you have a flavor of ice cream, if, if churches were ice cream, you know how many flavors of ice cream there is out there? If you had a flavor of ice cream, no matter how wacky or how traditional or how whatever it is, you can find a church that matches your taste. We have churches that are very liturgical, the collar, the reading from nothing is off script, reading from, you know, the same thing that they've been reading from for 500 years or 800 years or whatever it is, same thing every week, you know what you're going to say, the hymnals, the whole thing, there's nothing wrong with that. And we have churches today, one of the big trends going on is these churches that are like living room churches. They're not in a living room. They take a church this big or like the one we're building and instead of chairs, they have couches and love seats and bean bags and coffee tables and the pastor will speak, but then before and after church or in the middle of a message, if he gives an idea he wants you to discuss, they'll kind of form their own little living rooms within the church and discuss it and they build relationship that way. So you, you, you flip-flops, bare feet or suit and tie or anything in between, you can find a church that matches that. So that's not the problem why folks are leaving the church. It's not that they can't find a church that they feel comfortable in. You can pretty much have anything going on, any walk of life, any, any dress style, any time. You got stuff midweek, late night, early morning. You can find something. Why are people leaving the church? When I say the church, I don't mean ours. I mean the church in general. Traditional, Holy Spirit, no Holy Spirit, whatever. Why are they leaving? In addition to that, we live in an age with social media where you can be the most, this is this moment in time, you can be the most connected to your friends, acquaintances, family members. There's more ways to communicate and connect and in not just more ways, but quicker and in their face. I mean, most people have push notifications on their phone where if I get a Facebook message, it can be from Tom, Dick, and Harry that I haven't talked to in 10 years. And he can send a message and in seconds, it doesn't just come to my account. It pops up as a push notification on my phone and goes, ding, messenger, your buddy from 10 years ago. I'm like, oh my gosh, speed of light. So we have the ability to be more connected than ever, but yet we're not. Right now, sociologists believe that this is the most disconnected that people have ever been, the most isolated people have ever felt, the most unseen that people have ever experienced in their entire lives. Yet we have a platform that is supposedly made to allow us to be social, connect, share our lives with one another. And I, I would think, being that we're so disconnected, being that social media has failed in so many ways in that department, that a community, a church, a place where you can belong, connect, have friends, be seen, be cared for, have an extended family. You know, they say friends are the family you choose, right? Have this family that you choose. You'd think churches would be busting at the seams, but they're not. What's the problem? <coughs> It doesn't make sense. 
It's been on my heart because the Lord spoke to me right before the turn of the new year and said the currency of harvest for 2020 would be hope. And I'm going to share with you what that looks like for us. But the currency of harvest would be hope. There's a lot of things that we could throw in there, but that our currency, the way that we would transact with humanity around us would be hope. And I want to tell you right now, there, there's more people in this room that probably walk out the doors of this church or any other church they go to in a week feeling worse or feeling more abandoned than the ones that actually feel more connected, more joyful. Think about Jesus and what he brought to every encounter with every person. And we're supposed to be the church of Jesus Christ. Now, some of y'all looking like I'm picking on you. I'm not. I believe actually this church is one of the warmest, friendliest, most transparent, great group of people in all of I can find. I believe that. But church, oh man, I want to be so much better as a body of believers, not just as a pastor, but as a body of believers in understanding what that it is a real struggle for those that feel unseen. And the person sitting next to you is probably feeling that right now. I, I said this in the first service. You were scrolling through social media. The other night I put a post on Facebook because I, I, I like eight out of 10 posts in a row that I'm scrolling through Facebook with, eight out of 10 of them was like, it was like, um, having the worst day. Um, I just don't know if I can do this anymore. Uh, like one, I said, what in the heck is going on? And the funny thing is, is somebody can put funny, tragic, whatever you want to say, but what's your name, my dear? Kathy. Kathy. Hi, Kathy. Hi. So Kathy could put on her Facebook, right? I could be scrolling through and see Kathy's post. And she said, oh, I had the worst day ever. And it could mean her boss yelled at her, which stinks but it's not the end of the world, right? Your boss yelled at you. Your boss is cranky anyways. I've, I've met her or him before, all right? <laughs> right? So your boss yelled at you. Or it could mean she just found out that she's been diagnosed with stage four brain cancer and has a month to live. How easy is it for you and I to flip past Kathy's post and just be like, oh, whatever. We, I had a bad day too not realizing that it's a person that's actually crying out for somebody to stop and see them. Crying out for somebody. And if we look at the life of Jesus, and why are you throwing, I told you to throw that up there? My bad. So hold off, we'll get to that in a second. If you look at... Can we just have a discussion like you're at my, table, my, my kitchen table and we're just talking this morning? Is that all right? Except you're not allowed to talk back unless you're saying amen or that's a really great point, Pastor Dan. It's a one-way conversation at the table. But um, uh, if, when Jesus walked the earth, before he ever performed a miracle for somebody, most of the time, there were times where he, it was different, but most of the time, he actually saw the person before he performed it. So he heard the blind man screaming out for him. What did he have to do? He had to hear, he had to stop, and he had to see. And assess. It's a blind man. When the woman had touched the hem of his garment in that moment, what did he do? He said, who touched? I want to know. I want to see the person that touched the hem of my garment. I want to see them. 
It wasn't just about a transaction of her being healed. He wanted to see her. I want to know who it is. Woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery. He wanted to get close. He wanted to see. He wanted to have the conversation even when it broke from tradition. He wanted that person to know, I don't care what the, my, my disciples are mumbling and grumbling about over there, woman at the well, or if they think I should be here or not. I'm going to take the time to actually see you and know you, know your story. It was one of the tenets of the way he lived his life. It was one of the precepts of how Jesus conducted his life and the way that he related to humanity. So my question is this, and this isn't a rebuke this morning. My question is this, church. If we're truly trying to be the church of Jesus Christ, and yet this morning, and I don't want you to raise your hands, but if I had you raise your hands, you would be shocked how many people here today, especially the ones that look like they have it all together, actually feel unseen and that nobody really ultimately cares about them. How can we be the church of Jesus Christ, a God who stopped when the crowns were begging for him to come, would stop, would change direction for one person so that he could make sure that he had a lasting healing impact upon their life as he saw the situation they were in and pulled down from heaven exactly what they needed in that moment. He didn't care the crowds were waiting. He didn't care about the grumbling and complaining. He didn't care about what the Pharisees were saying. He knew in a moment that there was somebody who needed something and he stopped and he listened and he, and he, and he maybe, maybe it's just listening. He, he heard, he recognized, he sympathized, he healed. How can we be the church of Jesus Christ if week after week people come through the doors and leave feeling worse than when they walked in? And it, you can say it was your message, Pastor Dan, or the music was terrible. But really, I want to say this to you. You are the ones that will begin to shape and create the culture of this body of believers. I can set maybe some things in order, but you guys are the ones that decide what this looks like. And let me take it a step further. If you don't feel the freedom to set the culture, I'm telling you right now, I'm giving you carte blanche to begin to set the culture of this church that we would not just be known as a church with a bunch of people from all walks of life and wow, they seem so welcoming and inclusive and all that. I don't just want to welcome you. It's one thing to say, welcome, well, so great to meet you. I'm Pastor Dan, I just welcome you here. Well, that's great. What's your name? I'm going to ask you this 1,400 more times. What's your name? What's your name? Right? That's, well, welcome, welcome. It's a difference between that versus me or one of you stopping and saying, hey, Peggy, I saw the other day on Facebook, you, 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 something was going on. Are you okay? Do you need anything? Can my spouse and I do something for you? Can my kids come over and help you? You're overwhelmed with your landscaping. Can we cut your grass? Can we actually, is there, what do you, uh, what's going on? You said your kids were, do you need food for your cupboard? Do you need, I, I had somebody contact me as a result of this little post I did on Facebook. I had a lot of people contact me and if I didn't get back to you, I'm sorry. I can only see one at a time, all right? Did you send me a message? Okay. <laughs> I, had, but I had people contact me. One of them said, will you come visit my five-year-old? in the hospital in Tampa who's been diagnosed with cancer and is refusing treatment. That is a person has a big need that if, we, we did, if I would have taken the time in that moment 
to say, hey, there's a lot of folks it seems like are struggling. If you need something, message somebody, message me, reach out, know that people care. Folks, people need to know that we care. And if you want to be, listen, for, I'm gonna get, get on it for a moment. Is that all right? Nobody wants to see your stupid memes anymore about Christian this or Lion of the Tribe of Judah, unicorn, <laughs> rainbow, lamb stuff, okay? Reach out to somebody and say, what can I help you with? What's going on in your life? And you know what? I don't want to hear you tell me when I'm in a bad situation. Well, Pastor Dan, you're more than an overcomer. You know what? <laughs> Come on, preach. I don't feel like an overcomer right now. I feel like I'm sinking. The Lord's got you. But, you, but do you got me? Right? The Lord's got you. Is the Lord going to help me pack up my truck because I'm getting evicted from my, 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 uh, my condo? You're egging me on. You're going to get me in trouble. Come on. Come on. Let's be real for a moment. Maybe the Lord wants the church to be the church and stand up and be his hands and feet. And his desire for your life is going to happen through the hands and feet of the people around you. Man, it's about time. I could get up here and, and sing Kumbaya for worship, and you'd come back week after week if you knew that you were seen, that you were known, that you were cared about, that this was a place that if something was going on in your life, you had a group of people that were there to help no. you. I watched a video this week. No joke. I watched a video this week. The Amish do this unbelievably. That's right. Both the Amish community and the men in the community. But I watched an, a, a video of Amish men, there was over 250 of them, that picked up a giant pole barn and moved it. I wish I could find that video. If you find that video and get it up there on YouTube, from YouTube, um, uh, Don, I will give you bonus. I have an energy drink cold for you in my office that's half drunk, but you can have the rest of it. No, they literally picked up. Each one of them said, no, any of us could look at that and say, I can't, there's nothing, we can't. But 250 of them could. So they divided, if you imagine, the weight of that entire thing, each one of them picking it up. And they walked in step and in unison. And they didn't move that thing like six feet. They moved it like a quarter of a mile. They were just going. They were going and going. What was funny? You know, they're all in the traditional dress. And what was funny is that <laughs> their rebellious wives had their cell phones out videoing. <laughs> I was like, something is not right with this picture, but I'm not getting involved in this whole thing. <laughs> the wives were like, honey, you can stick with tradition. I need to, I need to be able to flip through Pinterest, okay? <laughs> right? No, but it was amazing to watch 250. I thought, man, what a challenge to the church. Don't get excited. He hasn't played it yet. Yeah, play. This is, this is not like a, this isn't a shed, folks, okay? Dim, dim, play it and dim the lights. Dim the lights. You'll see in a moment, those rebellious wives. 
Just kidding. We love you, ladies. Here, they come in. I think one of them has a selfie stick. Look at that. All right. That's good. They get the point. Thank you, bud. Bonus. Thank you, Don. This is what I'm saying to you. Like, <laughs> they say, come hook or crook, right? No matter what it takes, Harvest Church will be known as a church where when one of our people need a barn moved in their life, we will take the time to realize that they need something and see it and meet the need and be there for them. Folks, this didn't cost anybody money. This isn't some scam. This took each person pulling their weight. I'm going to read the scripture to you. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says, this is, We're, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. If you want to make an eternal impact in the lives of people around you, understand that it's often the unseen people or the unseen things that make eternal impacts. The, the seen things, the temporal things, the temporary things, the seen things are oftentimes disguises, masks, smoke screens, or what I want you to think, or what you want me to think about you. We, we get up in the morning and we decide how I want the world to view me. It's not actually about what's going on. What, what, what do I need in this moment? What, what's going on with me? It's actually, I want, so much of what you're encountering or seeing in the world around you are these temporary, they're just shells, they're just packaging. But we don't actually get to the core and the heart of what's really going on with people. But it's what Jesus did. Another version of that um, scripture says, we're not keeping any score of what seems so obvious to the senses on the surface. It is fleeting and irrelevant. It is the unseen eternal realm within us which has our full attention and captivates our gaze. It should be the unseen things that gets our full attention and captivate our gaze. Not the clown show, not the smoke, not the big flashes of light. It's the person in the corner who never says a word, but deep down inside are thinking to themselves, do I have the courage this week to end my life? Do you know how many, the suicide rates are going through the roof not just with different people groups, with people in general, people you'd never imagine who are struggling are committing suicide left and right. People who have it all, ending it. You look at Robin Williams, one of the most brilliant comedians of the last 50 years, 
You say, well, he had a mental disorder, undiagnosed or diagnosed or whatever. We can get into all that. At the end of the day, who really actually took the time out to really know that guy? Instead of just seeing the show. Kurt Cobain for you Nirvana fans. Literally one of the fastest rising rock groups in the history of rock and roll. Had everything he could ever want. Put a shotgun in his mouth. Why? Because he didn't feel seen. People knew his music. They might have even known some of his inner thoughts and his lyrics, but did they actually know him? Are you trying to play me off the stage? It's all right, honey. <laughs> Are you all okay with this? I would venture to say this. People kill themselves not because they're always disturbed. People kill themselves not because they're selfish. We say that a lot. People kill themselves because we didn't see them. We can blame government. We can blame Hollywood. We can blame a lot of things, church. And we're so good at that. Oh gosh, we're so good as the church of figuring out whose fault everything is. It's never ours. And I'm not saying it's your fault somebody killed themselves, but what I'm telling you right now is we can actually begin to shift and change culture as the church of Jesus Christ. And the church is not a building, it's you. You and me can shift culture and we can actually turn in our city, in our neighborhood, in our schools, the suicide rates around and put them on the decline if we will actually learn to see people. When a precious life, Miss Gretchen, is lost because it, they went too long, too many weeks, too many months without somebody actually stopping and saying, are you okay? You don't seem happy. You, don't, you seem angry, you seem upset, you seem worried. Yeah. You know, I'm always thinking about taking people out. I think if there would be a list of people who would want to go out after a time, yeah. we could we could do that. Yep. We'd like to do that, but we're, we don't always know. We're gonna, I'm going to get to that. Oh, good. I have a plan. You have a plan? I don't know if I'll get to the plan today. No, you're just... I'm sorry. I you're just... You're, you're taking a preacher and you're saying, get to the point, and that's okay. You're allowed to do that, all right? <laughs> We don't always do it that fast though, okay? Second <laughs> Corinthians 3.18 says this, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the spirit. I want you to look at your neighbor and say unveiled face. Unveiled. Another version of that says this, you ready for this? Harvest, I got news for you in 2020. This is what it says. The days of window shopping are over. Get off Instagram and Facebook and go meet somebody for coffee and look them in the face. Stop just looking in the window of social media and saying, oh, that looks nice, and then moving on. Oh, boy, that looks like they're on the decline in there, and then moving on, okay? With the days of window shopping are over, in him every, listen to me, in him, 
Every face is unveiled in gazing with wonder at the blueprint likeness of God displayed in human form. We suddenly realize that we are looking at ourselves. I want to tell you this right now. If you want, listen to me, if you want to see Jesus revealed in the earth, if you want quote unquote revival, if we want as the church to see all the promises of God coming, like we say, God we just sit here and just isolate and just come to church and do our thing and just do the same thing week after week after week and pray, of course, and do all of that. What if the true revealing of Jesus, like the scripture said, is when every face is unveiled? Which means that every person feels the freedom to have their face unveiled. They're not scared of the repercussions of people seeing the ickiness and the mess and the worry and the shame and all of that. That they actually unveil their face and realize when you step through the doors of this church or you step into my home or you go to sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so's home, that that is a place where you can take the veil off. And you might have to have the veil on at work or wherever else, but in when we're around believers, if you want it to look like Jesus, Take the veil off and begin to be transparent with what's going on. And if you find yourself around people who can't handle your transparency, politely ask them to exit your life and find somebody who can handle the transparency of what's going on the inside of you. Because every one of you needs somebody to see you and hear you. Don't die. Don't put a needle in your arm or a gun to your head or just die spiritually on the inside because you don't want to take the veil off. Listen, I'm a pastor, and if anybody has reason to keep the veil on, it's me. And I've gotten up here and said some things about my life and my struggle and my experience that people are like, I cannot believe you said that. You know what? Deal with it. We need to have a church. We need to have people that can be real and realize that every single one of us have a struggle, have something in our lives we're dealing with, and that we need to be real with one another. Have you ever gone to a point where somebody, where finally they just broke and then you found out all this stuff and you're like, why didn't you tell me? And you're like, why did you hold this back? Well, the, real, the reality is they didn't feel safe with you. Or they had a prior experience with something or somebody that told them, when I'm transparent, when I tell people what's really going on, they heap shame, they're disappointed, they look at me like I'm dirty, I'm this, I'm that. Guys, we can't let things run rampant in this church without giving people an opportunity to be real with what's going on. I'll tell you what I experienced. I was, I was on sabbatical for six months. It was, it was, uh, I, I voluntarily went on sabbatical. <laughs> There's a rumor going around the community that I was fired by the board. Well, what in the world am I doing up here today? I was fired. Actually, what happened is, is I voluntarily went on sabbatical, just needed to, to, to make sure my girls and my family and everything going on in, in my life at the time was, was, was okay. The board graciously said, took care of my needs and said, we want you to take time off. We really didn't set a timetable, but as we got into it, it ended up being six months. And what I experienced in that six months is I actually experienced what it was like at times to be one of you. And sometimes being one of you in this church is great. I would leave her feeling so filled up, so excited, so passionate. And sometimes being one of you in this church, can I say this live on Facebook? Sucked. 
There was times I came to church where I didn't feel like anyone saw me and I'm like one of the guys. I'm one of the people. And I sat on the front row and I was just like, am I invisible? And I thought, wow, how many people feel invisible here that we don't even know? Oh, Pastor Dan, that happens at all churches. I don't care what happens to all churches. It's not going to happen here anymore. It's not going to happen here anymore. We want to see you. We want you to be known. We want to know, you to know that we care about you, that if you've ever felt disregarded, if you've ever felt pushed aside, if you've ever felt like people don't care, I want to tell you as one of the pastors of this church, I know what it feels like to be unseen, and this will not be a house, a church, or a culture that turns our nose away from anybody or simply glosses over the fact like, oh, she's always got a problem. Here we go again. She's got another sad face on. You know what? Maybe she's this close. Come on. Maybe she's this close to ending her life. And maybe that sad face is somebody who's crying out to be sane in a moment and not just given some religious platitude. I said this earlier. I, 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 many of you, listen, if you were affected during that time of me being on sabbatical, or the time period before that, I became very disconnected from a lot of people. And it was the worst time in my life. And I'm not a victim. Uh, many of it was my own uh, doing and isolating myself. And if I hurt you or, or in any way, shape, or form, or you felt like I, I turned my back on you, I want to apologize to you publicly. Um, it was a very, very, very difficult, dark time in my life. But I can tell you this right now. I hate to even say very difficult and dark because some of you go places. And you know what? I really don't care. Um, I love Jesus with my whole heart. I'm passionate about seeing something happen in the earth that's never happened before. I want to see him be made famous amongst every type and group of person. That's my heart's desire. I am perfectly imperfect. Amen. I'm a beautiful mess and so are you. And that's why we're here. But I want to say this to you. I went through a season of my life where people told me, well, God's got you. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> or like I said earlier, he's, we're more than overcomers. I'm like, I don't even feel like an overcomer right now, let alone more than an overcomer, but you are. Oh, Pastor Dan, you know deep down inside you're more than an overcomer. I'm like, I'm going to overcome your face with my foot in a moment if you keep saying that to me. Just kidding, I'm not violent on the outside. But I realized this um, in that time and season and space, man, I felt some things. I felt loneliness like I've never felt before. I felt at times abandoned. None of your fault. It's my own, my own thought process. I, I had to deal with my own emotions. I felt so many things that I've never really felt before in my life. Never really felt. Had a great home. Never felt it. And I'm telling you, I've come through that and out of that with such a passion and desire for this church to be a place of refuge, a place of healing, and a place where every person is not just known, but seen. That this will be a house where people know beyond a shadow of a doubt they have some folks that have their back. That's right. That we will go into the firefight with you. On, we'll go into battle with you. That if you're behind, you're, you need your barn moved, you need prayer, you need someone to sit to and talk with, that there are people here that will do that with you. 
don't leave it for somebody else. And I'm going to end with this. Romans 8, 24. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's only got one more scripture. Um, right? There's a, somebody tagged me in a meme on Facebook. No names mentioned. Toya, if you're watching, it was you. She tagged me in a meme that said something to the effect of, um, uh, in 2020, she said she wanted to tell all preachers or pastors um, to stop telling her to tell her neighbor things because they heard you too or something like that. <laughs> Just can't ever get it right. Romans 8, 24, I'm gonna end with this. For in hope we have been saved. But hope, listen to this, that is seen is not hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. I wanna tell you this right now. Hope always calls to the unseen. Told you in the beginning we would end with what it looked like to deal hope as a church and that'd be our currency. And this is what it looks like. Find the unseen. Hope will always compel you to find the unseen. And stop and listen. And in that moment, listen to me, every single one of you have the gift of discernment. Every single one of you have an anointing. Every single one of you can be prophetic. Every single one of you can be an instrument of the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, find the unseen, look them in the eyes, and pull down from heaven what they need for that moment. You know how many times I've been with somebody and they've said something, I'm like, I have no idea what to tell you. Right? This happens all the time. I, they just present you something, you're just like, in your mind, you're thinking like, if I was going through that, I'd end it too. I mean, really, you're like, I don't know what to tell you. And in that moment, there's something about those that are unseen. In that moment, hope begins to rise. And that hope, that, tra that, that transaction with heaven that begins to happen, the Holy Spirit goes, and we can literally pull down from heaven what is needed in that moment. And it may not fix them. People don't need to be fixed. They need to be seen. We're not here to fix them. We're not like, God, give me a solution for them. No, God, give me the words. Give me the wisdom that they would know that regardless if we fix this or not, they're seen, they're cared about, they're known, that I care, that there's compassion for them, that there's a family that's behind them, that they have somebody that's by their side and shoulder to shoulder with them. So Holy Spirit, give me what I need in this moment. Maybe it's just for me to be quiet. Maybe it's for me to say this. Maybe it's a hug. Maybe it's a handshake. Whatever it may be in this moment, tell me what I need. Every single one of you can do it. I'll end like this. If you've ever felt unseen in this church, if you felt unseen this morning, this is the last week it's going to happen. Amen. I stand with you, Pastor. And I'm sorry that it ever felt that way. So good. So good. And guess what? Pastor Dan's not going to be the one 
that finds every unseen person in this church. It's going to be the person sitting next to you. You're going to begin to create the culture. You're going to change what it feels like to sit or to stand or to walk in these doors. We're going to do it together. And for those of you that are unseen, you are valuable enough to be seen. And it's not your bad, it's ours. We actually take responsibility with no excuses for you feeling unseen. And we say, give us another shot. Because in 2020, we're going to deal hope. That's our currency. And hope looks for the unseen. Now, without spoiling it, because I'm going to get to this, we're going to be talking about some things in the coming week, Miss Gretchen. By the way, they always, they like to go out for lunch. I don't know if they're planning on doing it today, but you can always, you are. Are you looking to take somebody out and love on them? So the first person or couple that comes and sees them, you're going to have the most wonderful couple to go out to lunch with. Okay? These two. It's Dwight and Gretchen. So you all can see them after service. And they will see you. They've seen me. I've watched them. They will take the time to get to know you. I want to end with this if I can. I, uh, God gave me this idea. I haven't even discussed it with the staff yet. But we want to start to actually change what church looks like. Not just here, but outside the walls, because you're the church. And I realized in reading through the New Testament that church actually wasn't in a building. When they met, it was house to house. It was in Priscilla's house. It was in this person's house. It was in that person's house. And so we actually, I haven't even run this by anyone, so I might get in trouble, but I want to start this year a thing. We'll do it once a month. It'll be called house to house. It's not connect groups, life groups, you know. It's literally house to house. It's not a Bible study. It's not a let's discuss Pastor Dan's sermon from Sunday. It's not a uh, let's all get around in a circle and sing Kumbaya. It's actually being in one of those homes, gathering around the table, maybe having something to eat, and just simply sharing what you're going through and being seen face to face. And so in the coming weeks, Miss Gretchen, we're going to ask for those of you that like to host, that actually get built up and and are fired up and your love tank gets filled by hosting people, we're going to ask you to, to become a house-to-house leader. And we're going to train you. You don't need much training, um, but we'll, we'll train you, kind of give you some idea of what we're hoping it's going to look like. And then we're going to allow you to actually begin to build your own groups and reach out to people in the congregation, invite them to your monthly house-to-house. And, uh, and then we'll, you'll begin to go to each other's homes as you begin to get to know one another and you have that out there. You know, churches are afraid of doing this because they think you're going to start your own house church. And I'm like, go right ahead. In two weeks, you're going to quit. <laughs> and the people you start with, they're going to hate you in like four weeks. So <laughs> don't do it. It's not going to be fun at all. This is not fun. But it actually is going to begin to give you the opportunity in a smaller setting to see each other face to face. None of this has been approved with the pastoral team. So this is subject <laughs> to approval, but I want to call it house to house. And uh, I want to change how we harvest do life and community with one another. I want to make sure that nobody here gets left behind and that every person is seen. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I have my best friend's daughter 
um, Courtney, she's a, a very young lady, and she has a brain tumor, and she's fighting and fighting and fighting, and they just, they did discharge her from the hospital, and um, she's just, you know, needing prayer, and I'm really... Her name's Courtney? Well, I don't, th I don't think it's a coincidence that I, I had the hypothetical with you when I talked about brain cancer. Do you remember that? Yes. Is it stage four? I don't know. It's, it's, it's a brain tumor. I, I don't have a lot of the statistics, but I had the pleasure of meeting her yesterday. She's just the one. So can you find out, can you maybe exchange, or my mom can get your phone number or something, exchange information and let us know where she's at? And if she's open to visitors, um, not only will one of the pastoral team visit her, but some folks here will go they and visit her. her they discharge her, so she's at home. All right, well, if you can get her information, we will do that. And we're going to pray right now. Wouldn't that be cool, church? That's a good way to start, right? Because it doesn't have to be an unseen person here. It can be an unseen person anywhere in our community. Amen? Amen. So, Father, we just thank you. We believe in miracles. We believe in healing. We believe that, Lord, healing is the children's bread. We receive that for Courtney in the name of Jesus. And as Kathy here stands in the gap for her, and, and uh, Lord, she may not even know we're praying right now, and it doesn't matter because your Holy Spirit is going to begin to go and to touch and to heal her. But, Lord, we're not just sitting here sending a prayer. We're willing to actually do something about it. We're actually willing to help where we can, to support, to listen, to build up and courage, to be there when she's down. And so, God, we thank you that you've presented us with an opportunity right off the bat to begin to put this into action. And Lord, we, we just thank you for your touch. We thank you for this message today. We thank you that I just feel your spirit on it, that it's gonna begin to shift our church and our culture and how we do this. And Lord, that, that no one here would become a statistic, that every person that's connected to this place or is listening online or walks through these doors would be seen, would really, really be seen. And that, Lord, we would create an environment and a culture where all would be unveiled that our faces would no longer, we have to put on the face or the air like everything's okay when it's not, but we can come and be transparent with what's happening. So God, I thank you for a church that is hearing, that is listening, that is ready, that week after week comes and says, God, transform, change our hearts, change our minds. Tell us what you want it to look like, God, and we will follow. And so God, we follow that. We become dealers of hope. Hope is our currency. And God, we commit ourselves to not allowing an unseen person to continue to go unseen. And those that are unseen here today, we ask that, that Lord, we, we, that right now, even now, they begin to realize that they are valued and that this is not their fault, that those around them have really dropped the ball. It's not them. They're not weird. They're not uh, a hermit. They're not, uh, not social or socially awkward. God, it's actually us. We missed it. So today we commit to not missing it anymore. Doing what Jesus did, stopping, seeing, bringing healing, hope, encouragement. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We love you, church. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Go see somebody.